Awesome, awesome. You know, when I was uh, just praying and thinking about people to, uh, that might want to share um, a story about their moms, um, Dominic was one of the first, uh, the first people that came to my mind, and when I called her, she said, oh my gosh, I can't wait, I can't wait, you know, I'm so excited. <laughs> so, uh, all right, one more. Jason, come on up. Those are tough acts to follow. <laughs> let, me, let me fix your hair real quick. <laughs> Hi, Mom. It's me. <laughs> it's kind of an inside joke. Uh, my mom has had the same cell phone number for 15 years and the same voice ever since I can remember. And she still feels the, you know, the need to announce herself every time she calls me on the phone and say, it's me. Well, I know it's you, I recognize your voice, and um, you know, and I just wanna say thank you for being a mother of a voice that I can recognize, um, not only as a physical mother, as a spiritual leader in my life, um, for me, Jordan, Grace, uh, and just our whole family. Um, I love you so much. <laughs> and uh, I think I told you that when I was five years old, I wanted to marry you. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you for putting up with me from the ages of five to 30. <laughs> and uh, I love you, and uh, happy Mother's Day. That was behalf on uh, me and all my sisters, too. So I know if it was a card, they'd want to sign it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I know many of you others feel the same way about your mom, and um, if you had a, had, had a chance today to uh, wish your mama Happy Mother's Day, give them a call. Um, let's see, just a couple of things just in the way of announcements. Uh, you know, Nina, uh, I forgot to mention the prayer request. So if you have a prayer request, uh, you can just drop them in the boxes to the left or the right of the door. We, uh, we've got a group of prayer warriors here that will pray for you like crazy. Uh, they you know, love to pray, they have a heart for prayer. Second thing that I wanted <clears throat> to mention was uh, this story about Irving Roth. Irving Roth, a, a Holocaust survivor, got a call from uh, Randy Neal a uh, couple, of, couple of weeks ago, or actually last week, and uh, wanted to know if we'd like to have him. I think he's the oldest living survivor, Holocaust survivor, alive today. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, anyway, that's um, uh, May the 27th. That'll be right here in the auditorium uh, from 7 to 9 p.m., but this guy has got a story. I mean, you would not believe this guy's story, just trying to survive. I mean, uh, swimming through, you know, sewer pits, you know, just hiding, um, hungry for days on end, and uh, yet survived and, and has, uh, you know, has an incredible story. Mark your calendar. Bring somebody with you. Um, I came across these uh, statements about uh, moms, what my mom taught me. Um, my mom taught me religion. When I spilled grape juice on the carpet, she instructed, you better pray that that stain comes out of the carpet. <laughs> My mother taught me logic from her decisive words, because I said so, that's why. My mother taught me foresight. Make sure you, that you wear clean underwear in case you have an accident. <laughs> My mother taught me irony. Keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. 
My mother taught me stamina. You sit there till that spinach is finished. My mother taught me about weather. It looks as if a tornado swept through your room. My mother taught me about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out. My mother taught me about behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. My mother taught me about envy. There are millions of less fortunate children in this world who don't have a wonderful mom like you do. So anyway, before we begin our word, I want to uh, just uh, go to the word or go to the Lord in prayer. And please join me for just a moment. Father, we just bless you. I want to speak a blessing over all the moms that are here and moms that are distant, Lord, moms that are no longer in our life that have gone on. And uh, Father, we thank of them today. We remember them. Uh, those that are alive, Father, we pray your blessing to be upon them, Father. And, uh, you know, our hearts just can't say thank you enough for our mothers have done in our lives and we thank you for that in Jesus name <clears throat> guys we remember the story about uh, John Newton um, John Newton's mother died when he was seven years old John Newton uh, wrote the song Amazing Grace some of you will remember uh, his uh, his father was a, uh, a captain he was a sea captain um, and when he was about uh, nine years old, uh, one of the, uh, the, the shipmen, uh, he was, John Newton was uh, coiling a rope uh, for the ship, and he said, aren't you little for such a big job? Um, and the deckhand asked, uh, asked him as, his, as they were getting ready to sail, and he says, no, sir, I'm strong for my age. And John replied as he continued the task, or the man continued to question him, but don't your mom and dad mind that you're out to sea? Um, no, John answered. He says, my mother's dead and my father is the captain of this ship. It says, uh, Mrs. Newton early taught him the word of God and prayed that he would become a minister when he grew up. Unfortunately, in the years that followed, no one would have guessed that John Newton would ever have been a preacher. After his mother's death, John's life took a turn that would lead him in a very different direction. While his father was a sea captain and spent months at sea, John was left to the care of his new stepmother. She really didn't want John around at all, and he was left to go his own way. And all that freedom was too much for John. His behavior grew worse and worse until finally his father began taking him on voyages to keep him out of trouble. John seemed to have forgotten all that his mother had taught him. By his early 20s, John Newton had become a rebellious person. Even the toughest of sailors, get this, even the toughest of sailors knew for their cursing and drinking, were sickened by John's bad attitude and foul language. He refused to follow the captain's orders and constantly made fun of everyone who believed in God. Um, when John tried to remember what his mother taught him, he would try to be good, but his good efforts only would last for a, a short time. And then, one day, on a long voyage, a fierce storm stu struck the ship, and the ship lurched and rocked, violently in the storm's rage, climbing the huge waves and the boat plummeted and plunged time and time again, crashing into the ocean on the other side. And with each fall, more and more of the ship's cargo spilled over the raging water. As experienced sailors, John Newton had written, ridden out many fierce storms before, but he had never had come to this close to death. As the ship began to break into pieces, 
and water rushed everywhere, one sailor was washed overboard. A few hours later, when John faced certain death, he began to recall Bible verses. Now remember, this mom only taught him until uh, he was seven years old, and she died. I know that, and as I read that, I was beginning to think about, you know, a lot of the children that we've got over in our children's ministry right now, at this very age, seven years old, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, they're hearing the word of God. And, and Paul says at one time in his life, when he was in prison, he said, I may be bound, I may be in prison, but the word of God is never bound. It's free. It's, it's free to go. And so the, the, very, the very word of God that John's mother taught him has begun to come back to him. And John, who couldn't swim himself, and I, can, I was reading this and I'm thinking a sailor that can't swim has really got a lot of nerve or is crazy. But uh, it, says, as, as he, uh, as, it says that he began to recall Bible verses that his mother taught him. And he heard himself cry out, Lord, have mercy on us. But then he thought, what mercy can there be for a wretch like me? And John began to tell God that he was sorry for uh, turning away from him and for doing so much wrong. He began to feel peace in his soul. And when the storm ended, John realized that God had saved him from a sure death. He immediately went and searched for a Bible and asked Jesus to save his soul as well. The Bible, which he had made so much fun of, now gave him the guidance he needed John Newton became a Christian. The other sailors noticed that John no longer used foul language, and he did not make fun of Christians. He didn't uh, even get upset when others teased him. Uh, later in life, Newton met a young politician by the name of William Wilberforce, and he joined with him and spoke out against the practice of slavery. And in their time and their effort, they uh, led a law which banned slavery in England. Remember when, as a little boy, John Newton's mother prayed for him and wanted him to be a preacher? Well, it came to pass. Uh, later in life, he became the pastor of the church in Olney, England, and later the Church of London. He also traveled around England uh, talking about telling his adventures at sea and how God saved a wretch like him. Besides preaching, John and his best friend, I think about this, wrote a new hymn for the church service every week. One new song every week. Um, he says that uh, history goes on to say that he wrote over 300 hymns. The best one of them is Amazing Grace, which had, which had become one of the most favorite hymns of all time. And when he was writing the hymn, he remembered the storm in which he, he almost died. Amazing Grace, he wrote, that saved a wretch like me. He remembered how wonderful it was to feel within, uh, with God or how, how wonderful it was to feel right with God. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Abraham Lincoln said that no man is poor who has a godly mother. I want to just start, I, I picked a, uh, and chosen a passage of scripture this morning out of Peter um, that even though this, uh, the scripture doesn't indicate this woman was a mother, uh, she certainly was a mother to many, uh, whether she had any of her own biologic, biological children or not. This is from Acts chapter 9. And as Peter traveled the country, he went to visit the Lord's people that lived in Lydda. 
There he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek her name means Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Um, Lydda was near Joppa, and if you have a Bible map in your back, it's like Jerusalem and then Samaria and then uh, Lydda and then Joppa is on the sea. Um, but Lydda was near Joppa, so the disciples heard that Peter, Peter was in uh, Lydda, and they sent two men uh, to him to urge him, please come at once. And Peter went with them. And when he arrived, he was taken to the room upstairs. And all the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and the other clo clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And Peter sent them all out of the room. And then he got down on his knees and he prayed. And turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes. And seeing Peter, she sat up, and he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa. Many people believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Now, we can see from this, uh, this story right here that, uh, that this woman... Um, Tabitha or Dorcas however you want to call her had a great influence on the women and men and women around her um, she had a heart for the poor she had a heart for other widows and you know I believe that that's what happens in our life as God begins to shape us and molds us and changes from what we used to be to what we are right now, we have influence on different people in our life. But I want to talk about mothers specifically this morning. I believe that a mother has the influence of protection. A mother will usually be the first to stand and protect a child. And it seems that God has even built in this natural instinct in her. We see this in nature. I mean, you know, we're always told if you're ever walking through the woods and you have an encounter with a bear or a mother bear that has cubs, you better take cover, you better get away because, you know, she's most likely to light into you. We see it in birds. I don't know how many times you've ever, you know, been out and you've seen a bird that kind of gives that kind of like a, she may be sitting on a nest of eggs or, or have a, a nest of babies but she'll do that little limping thing with her wings. So you will follow her, and she's trying to lead you away from the nest. And How many of you have ever seen that? Walked up on a bird, and you've seen that. I mean, it's an amazing sight. You know, you're thinking, and when I was a child, I'm thinking, here's a bird that I can catch. And, uh, you know, start, you start following her, but the closer you get, the more uh, the, she, you know, breaks out of the broken wing mode and, and she really does start to fly. And then if you backtrack, you can go back and find that there's a nest of eggs or there's a, a little nest of, uh, you know, baby birds there. Jesus used this, uh, ex this expression as he himself, we know him as a father, 
but uh, he uses this illustration of him being a mother as well. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, as he's going around the city, and uh, it's near uh, his last days. This is his last week in Jerusalem, his last seven days upon this earth. And he goes around the city. He's been rejected by the religious leaders, by the scribes and the Pharisees, and, and most of the people. And he begins to weep, and he begins to cry. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kills the prophets and stones those that sent you, how often I have longed to gather you uh, and your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, and you were not willing. And I, I don't know if you've ever seen that or not, but as a child, um, you know, we had, we had chickens. And I remember many times seeing a mother mother hen with chickens out by the road and a car would be coming by or perhaps a dog would be walking down the street and the mother would stand the hen would stand between the danger and her little her little chicks and she would spread her wing out and kind of gather them and kind of direct them in another direction um, so mothers uh, have an influence to protect they also have the influence to set perimeters um, Proverbs says, 22 verse 6 says, Train a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. You know, um, there was many years ago, some of you may, may have read this, but there was a sheriff in Texas that once distributed a list of rules titled, How to uh, Raise a Juvenile Delinquent in Your Own Family. Begin with the infancy to give your child everything that he wants. This will ensure his, his believing that the world owes him a living. Pick up everything that he leaves lying around. This will teach him that he can always throw off responsibility on others. Take his part and his side against neighbors and teachers and policemen. They are all prejudiced, prejudiced against your child. He is a free spirit and never wrong. And finally, prepare yourself for a life of grief uh, that you're getting ready to have. Um, Set perimeters. I mean, you know, you may not think it, but uh, you may not understand this, but our children do want to know that there are certain boundaries. They have certain boundaries that we establish in our home. You do as a parent. We did. Nina and I did as a parent. These are the things that you can do. These are the things that you cannot do. And I think children will appreciate that. Uh, the third thing is that I believe that a mother is an influence in prayer. Um, and let me read, just read some scripture along this line. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. And we know that he and his family were believers um, from uh, uh, Acts chapter 10 and, and also Acts chapter 11. He and all of his family were devout. They were God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius... And Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor, notice that prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send to Joppa and bring a man back by the name of Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And um, we know the rest of the story. He goes and gets Simon. Simon Peter, Simon comes back and talks to them about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit falls on them, and then the Gentiles are brought in to the church. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul, uh, writing to 
one of his faithful followers, he says, I'm reminded of the sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. I'm going to tell you that I believe that Lois and Eunice prayed fervently for their son and grandson, Timothy. This is a story that uh, I want to share with you that when I read it, I could hardly believe it was true. And then I looked it up in the National Enquirer and find out, yeah, it is true. No, <laughs> no, actually, I Googled it. And uh, it's, it's all over Google. This is an incredible story. The year was 1820, and Peter Richley, a grateful man, uh, he had survived one of the strangest and most harrowing events known to mankind. The ship which he had been traveling on sank, and he was rescued. And by some twist of, uh, of circumstances, the, uh, this ship sank, and he was rescued again. But the third ship sank as likewise. He was rescued a third time. Yet his fourth ship, a passenger, soon sank. And unbelievably, unbelievably, he was rescued a fourth time. But this fifth ship sank as well. It would have been laughable had it not been so serious. On the high seas, however, he floated with the serene confidence that somehow God did not want him to die. And sure enough, as if on cue, another ship came by and answered his call for help. This ocean liner, the city of Leeds, was named after its British city of origin. It was bound from England to Australia and traveled the same sea course or the same sea lane as Richard or Peter Richley's uh, downed ships. The crew of the city of Leeds hoisted Peter aboard. Uh, dry, uh, dry clothing was provided to Peter. The ship's doctor gave him an exam and pronounced him fit and then asked him for an unusual favor. He said, there's a lady on board who booked a passage to Australia, the doctor said, looking for her son who disappeared years ago. She's dying, and she's asking to see his, her son. She knows everybody on board, and since you're the only newcomer, would you pretend to be her son? And Peter agreed. After all, his life had been saved um, for the fifth time. Uh, he followed the doctor below the deck and entered into the captain. There, uh, into the, uh, entered into the cabin. There on a small bed was a frail woman with silver hair. She was obviously suffering from a very high fever, delirious. She was crying out, please, God, let me see my son before I die. I must see my son. And the ship's doctor gently pushed the young man toward the bed. Soon, however, Peter richly began sobbing. For lying there on that bed, was the reason that he couldn't seem to die at sea. Here was the lifeline that had kept him from dry, drowning five times. For lying on that bed was none other than Sarah Richley, who had prayed for 10 years to, reconcile to, her, to be reconciled to her son, Peter. The ship's doctor stood there in amazement as the young man fell down by the bed and embraced the sick woman. I'm here, Mom. I'm here. It's me. Within days, the fever uh, had subsided, and his mother awakened to find an answered prayer seated on the edge of her bed. Isn't that an incredible story? The story goes on to say that she lived another 20 years. He built a house for her. They lived together. I mean, the power of prayer. 
The, influen the influential or influence of a praying mom. I mean, can you imagine this? Ships, five shipwrecks, surviving every one of them and being picked up only to be placed right in front of his mother. I believe that uh, a mother has the influence of provision for the poor. She instills that in her children as well. Proverbs chapter 31 says that, talk, and this is the uh, chapter about the uh, virtuous woman, and here are some of the characteristics. I'm not going to mention them all, but it says that she, this virtuous woman, uh, goes to inspect a field to buy it. With the earnings, she plants a, a vineyard. She's energetic and strong. She's a hard worker. She makes sure that her dealings are profitable, that her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning threads, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends helping hands to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. The Bible tells us that pure religion is this. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans, the widows and their afflictions, and to keep one's un self unstained from the world. You know, we have so much to be grateful for, all of us do. You know, thinking about our mothers, how they raised us, how they treated us. As the video um, proclaimed and uh, some of uh, those that gave testimony this morning about the mothers and their lives, um, the influence that their mothers had, the impact that mothers had. And so I just want us to just stand together and together let's just uh, praise God and thank God for the for the mothers in our lives and for the women, not necessarily just mothers, but aunts and grandmothers and, and uh, you know, might have even been your best friend's mother may have spoken something into your life. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the mothers in our life, the mother figures in our life. We thank you for aunts and for uh, just the women that have spoken the word of God that have spoken in direction and correction and have set boundaries for us, Lord God. We thank you for them, Lord God. We, Father, we thank you as we, you know, listen to testimonies of uh, uh, John Newton's uh, mom uh, at, you know, at seven years old speaking these words of, of life and grace into us and to him. We thank you uh, for Peter Richley's mom that spoke words and prayed for him sincerely and constantly for him. We thank you for the word of God where uh, Lois and Eunice prayed for their son and grandson Timothy, Lord. We hear all of these testimonies. We, we think about uh, Dorcas, Tabitha, uh, a woman of prayer, a woman that had ministered to other women. Uh, God, we just thank you. We thank you for the women. We thank you for their sensitivity. Lord, we thank you that uh, they always seem to have time uh, I know as men that we get our minds set on a project, we get, you know, uh, in the zone, and it's just like we can't see or hear anything that's going on around us, Lord God. Even when someone needs help or needs prayer, we seem to be busy and preoccupied, but, but the women, at least the women that I know, will stop what they're doing and just with a listening ear, looking eye to eye into that uh, that person that needs a word of help, a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word of life will stop what they're doing. 
I pray for all of us, Lord. I pray for the men especially, Lord, that we would uh, take a page out of their book. Lord, make us more sensitive to those that are around us uh, that need an encouraging word, a word of hope and a word of life. Lord, let us stop our busy schedule and, uh, and take time to listen, take time to hear. Your word says be, be quick to listen, be quick to hear, be slow to speak. Lord, help us as men to be quick to listen and, and, and quick to hear and help us to be slow to speak. And when we do speak, Father, your word says you've given us a mouth and you've given us wisdom. Lord, we don't even have to worry about what to say, that the Holy Spirit will put in our hearts and in our mouth the right words to say. I'm going to just ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. Maybe that word that was spoken by John Newton as he was thinking about death and remembered the words of his life, decided that he too wanted to give his life to Jesus. I'm going to ask our prayer ministers, if you'll just come forward right now, please come forward quickly. Now I want you to consider John Newton on that sea, thinking about drowning, thinking about dying, thinking about words that someone spoke to him a long, long time ago. And maybe you're hearing those words for the first time today. And if you are, still remember, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can you hear the word of God? Is God speaking to you this morning? If you are, and if he is speaking to you and you're hearing, why don't you just raise your hand? Raise your hand up high. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand up high. Okay. Okay, thank you. You can put your hands down now, please. I want to just, uh, for the rest of you, if you've got a need in your life right now, I want you to just, I want you to just get out of your chair. I want you to come up and pray with one of these men uh, and, and women. I want you to just come. Just come. Just get out of your chair right now. If you've got, you got something that's going on, you've got trouble in your life, you've got trouble in your marriage, you've got a problem with your children, you've got a problem with your finances right now, uh, the, get, just come right now. Come on. Be bold about it. Just get out of your chair and come. Just keep coming. Keep coming. Come on. Keep coming. Come on. The Lord's speaking to your heart right now. Don't. Don't, don't just sit there. Just come. Come forward. The God, listen, this is what the Word of God says. God will not neglect the cry of the afflicted. You're, if your heart is crying right now, if your heart is broken, remember what the Word of God says, that He's come to heal the brokenhearted. You've got a brokenness in your heart right now. You need help. He will not neglect you. Come. Come. Go to one of these people that are they're, they're standing here. They're, they're ready. There's willing. There's people over on this side of the wall over here, right here against this north wall. Go to them. Go, go get prayer. I encourage you, please go get prayer. Please go get prayer. They'll wait. We'll wait for you. We, we will wait for you. Please, please. God's calling you. God's calling you right now. Go get prayer. All right. With the rest of you, while, while they're getting prayer... Nina standing up here in front. If somebody needs prayer, right there, hon. You know what? I think sometimes, as you know, Christians, we think, 
well, if I admit that I need prayer, you know, people are going to think I'm weak or I got something serious, you know, wrong going on in my life. You know, man, I need prayer all the time, and I'm never ashamed of it. So uh, please, you know, you guys pray for me too. So I want you to just lift your hands high. Man, we serve a great God, don't we? We serve a great, great, great God. Our God is great. And while your hands are high, just put them together. Let's just, uh, let's just praise his name. Our God is great. I'm going to just pray a blessing over you. I'm going to pray a blessing over your household and over the moms especially. Father, we pray you bless the mothers, Lord. We know the, the long hours, the hard work, the labor. Father, we, we bless them in the name, the name of your son, Jesus. We say, Lord, bless them, Father, for all they've done. Just give them back a double portion, Lord God. Uh, long nights they were up with sick kids and changing diapers and just, you know, uh, dealing with divorce and separation and bad relationships and, and still staying steady, still staying steady to the course, Father. We say bless them in Jesus' name. And now for the rest of you, I say may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you, and may the Lord give you his peace. In Jesus' name I ask that. God bless you guys. I want to just tell you I love you. And happy Mother's Day to all of you.